Peter Pronovost. I serve as the Chief Clinical Transformation Officer, and we're here today to share with you some of the exciting things that university hospitals are doing to keep people healthy at home rather than healing in a hospital. We call those efforts the web of well-being. They're evidence-based, they're variably implemented across our system, and we'd love to engage you in helping to do that. The, the web components are ensuring patients are competent in self-management, addressing or increasing the dose of social support, increasing the dose of ambulatory, and then intercepting people from the acute care system like the emergency department so we can get them home rather than in the hospital. Today we're going to share some of what we're doing to address that. And what you'll note is that these all require us to lead horizontally, to break silos and work across our disciplines. So Brandy, maybe you could share with us some of what we're doing to ensure competency and self-management. Sure. Thank you, Peter. Um, good morning. Brandy Sparkman Byerly, Vice President of UH Home Care. Um, so across the system, we found that we had an opportunity to streamline how we um, teach patients to self-manage. So we went about and looked at all the different tools that we were using to educate our patients on self-management. And we found that many places were using different tools, different languages, so our patients were getting um, mixed messages or not or incomplete messages about how they should manage their yeah, disease. It must be confusing. Yes, very confusing. And a lot of times we would go into the patient's home and we would say, okay, what, what did they tell you when you went to the emergency department or your primary care? And we were telling them something completely different than their primary care was telling them or even the emergency department. So the first two disease processes that we have worked on um, are congestive heart failure and COPD. And so now we have a standardized self-management tool that we are implementing across the system, um, both on the acute care side in the emergency department and then also in the ambulatory space um, in an effort to make sure that we're teaching our patients how to better manage themselves once they get home. Well, that seems like it'll be a great advance. So they hear one story and it's probably more efficient that not every staff has to recreate it. We create it once and we spread it. So hopefully if you're li listening, you'll start to use those tools. Thank you. Another part of the ring Brooke, is the dose of social support. And we know social determinants are a major driver of uh, patients' hospitalization, needless suffering. So share with us some of what we're doing to try to make those gaps visible and then close those gaps. Thank you, Peter. So I am Brooke Nutter. I'm the director of social work for the system. Uh, we certainly have had uh, an opportunity recently to partner with not only our, our largest ED at um, Cleveland Medical Center, but also across the system. We did not always have consistent availability of social work in our emergency departments, which would lend itself to some challenges. So one of the, the things we're doing now is to um, start to track what our social workers are doing in the emergency rooms, as well as start to share resources of social workers across the system. So. Uh, currently, we do also have a social worker that we've never had this before who is covering our system EDs remotely from 5 to 10 p.m. She is identifying a lot of patients who are, are utilizing our emergency rooms uh, that before we couldn't track because they would pop up at Bedford, then they would be at CMC, then they would be at Ahuja. Now we can identify those trends. And what we're doing with that is starting to develop care plans, uh, specifically from a psychosocial perspective of 
of if there are social determinants that are impacting their frequent utilization of the emergency rooms, how can we mitigate that? How can we provide them with resources? How can we refer them back to the community instead of coming into our hospitals? So that also impacts those patients that can be what we call intercepted in the emergency room, which means they don't need to be admitted. We know they need some sort of support at a nursing facility or at an assisted living. And sometimes we can do that from the emergency room without having them admitted, which which is something that we're seeing ha- is having a great impact on our observation patients as well as those patients that come in that really just needed a social worker to identify needs and develop strategies. Yeah, Brooke, that's great. And as you are pointing out, what it's showing is that we have to view the care team broader, that it's not just doctors and nurses or pharmacists looking medical issues, but so many of these admissions are due to social reasons or even behavioral health reasons, mm-hmm. and having the care team include those experts so we get people the care they need and they can stay healthy at home. Absolutely, because patients want to go home. It's how we make it happen. Yeah, fantastic. And then we've a lot of effort uh, with our emergency department when people show up to get them back into the community, get them plugged into ambulatory care or with home care. And so, Melissa, maybe share with us some of the innovative things you're doing in that space. Yeah, so uh, I'm Melissa Cole. I'm the Vice President of Center for Emergency <coughs> Medicine and have done a lot of partnering, uh, as Brooke mentioned, with social work and having them more present in the emergency department. So here at Cleveland Medical Center, we're actually trialing a pilot um, with a sort of a triad of uh, care coordination here. So we have a social worker here on site. Um, we also have a care transition coordinator, TCC, starting in September. And then we have UM here so that we can start to coordinate care to make sure the patient gets to the right place at the right time with the right support that they need. We also then have an extension of the social worker starting more towards October where we're actually piloting 10 community health workers that will really be out into the community, which will be as the care plans are developed with the social needs and the social determinants of health to have identified issues um, for our patients. The community health workers are really then an appendage in the community partnering with our patients to really assist them with whatever it is that they need. So we hope to learn a lot from this care coordination pilot. Um, and I think it's really great. One, it employs our community, right, into the community healthcare worker role. And it helps with uh, identifying issues that I think haven't been able to be identified or addressed for a long time. We can, you know, having a lot of people come back to the emergency department or access us in different ways that maybe they don't need to. Melissa, comment and then question. That sounds like it's a really innovative model. And what's so hopeful about it is we know patients are much more likely to follow their care plan if they trust their provider. And these community health workers are often from the community. They're often highly trusted. And we're hopeful that they might really be able to have a big impact. But you mentioned many different disciplines you're bringing together. UM, TCC, social work, emergency medicine nurses. What have you found that strategies to get them to work together? Because as we go across the health system, not just in the emergency room, but every issue, we're still often too siloed. Even if we have roles, we don't necessarily have the structures or the trust to bring them together. So you're a fantastic system leader. Share with me some of what you're doing 
to get them together? I think it's engaging them right around the patient. And so I think all of us come to work each day to do uh, what's right for the patient and to get better. And so um, one is I think having them in the department and engaged, we will be having weekly huddles to really, um, we now have two flags on our emergency department track board to identify high utilizers and readmitters. So everybody's focused around those initiatives, being able to see them, it's transparent. Um, having weekly huddles to identify barriers and remove them for each other um, creates partnership, I think, and trust uh, with the team. And then all three of them are engaged in the middle of the department, right? So they're they're not hiding in an office, right? They're, they're out there as part of the team. And I think the more we can integrate members as part of the team, that they, it breaks down the silos, it increases trust, and it gets around the mission of the patient. Yeah, fantastic. So lining around a common purpose of value and having some structures to bring people together. We may even think of adding our home care ambassadors to that meeting. We we did it at the hospital discharge mm -hmm. because they're really, see, this podcast yeah. allowed us to do something new. <laughs> uh, Chris, love your thoughts on you've had a lot of experience in uh, leading many health systems on putting evidence-based system to drive value. Thoughts about what you know, we, either we are doing or we should be doing to connect these people back out into the community and give them the care they need. Sure. Thanks, Peter. Chris Miller, System Lead for Emergency Medicine. Strategically, when you think about a disease process, as clinicians, we all go, ah, there is evidence to manage this disease. I should do A, B, and C to fix condition X. System engineering, how we manage patients through a system, how a human being is navigated through a very complex maze of resources is no different. It is, truthfully, utilization optimization could be categorized as a disease for which there is opportunity to improve. Right. Um, it may not be literature that many physicians or nurses read, correct. but it's a strong evidence base correct. out there. And emergency medicine is one of the fields that is leading the way in how to help with navigation particularly into the primary care space from the emergency department. We call these terms linkage and care coordination, but we cannot do them as clinicians alone without the necessary human expertise in the domains that we have described today will fail. And so a premium placed by enterprises to dedicate resources and experts in those fields to partner with the clinicians is paramount. Chris, you're doing some really innovative things with the Center for Patient Flow Management to help serve as the air traffic controller for moving patients around. And I think, though early, that work is growing. Share with us a little bit some of the innovations that you're putting in there to get people at the right place. These are, these are in the nascent phase, um, explorative and, and still brainstorming. Um, I, but I think as we, as if we were to fast forward two to three to four years, um, a system as sophisticated as ours should have a central nervous system that can help any one person get to the resources that they need at that particular point in time of need. For example, leveraging technology to allow, let's say I have a cough or a cold, and my primary care office is justifiably full. Maybe I could interface with someone over my phone. Maybe I have a tool that allows me to send vital signs. Maybe there is a nurse practitioner, a physician assistant, a paramedic who has been trained to help me navigate and actually see me in real time over a phone visit. 
Um, this is not, these are not new concepts. Um, these have been deployed with various levels of fidelity in other systems. Um, but you can also imagine how we can move through a very complicated array of multiple hospitals, patients to the right level of care, close to their home, perhaps being cared for in, by specialists that may not even be in the hospital at that time, but potentially remotely based so that we can keep the patients and their families as close to their community where the resources we've talked about know how to get patients back to their home. Um, and then eventually, and that, what I think is the coolest thing is developing technology such as um, ultrasound to help patients measure and assess themselves right. at home and then send that information through the Center for Patient Flow Management um, to be assessed by a clinician to say, hey, Peter, the volume in your lungs today is X. You're doing a great job with your medication management. Let me know if I need to connect with Brandy's team um, to <clears throat> adjust anything. And Dr. So-and-so will see you in clinic next week. Melissa, question back to you. One of the parts of the ring we didn't cover is the dose of ambulatory. And what by that we mean when we titrate a drug to an endpoint, we are starting to titrate the dose of ambulatory to avoid needless ED utilization and hospital admissions. And share with us, and our dose is too low right now. We don't know what the right dose needs to be. We just know we're not seeing people enough. Tell us how, what you're doing in the emergency department to have people when they leave get pl plugged back into ambulatory care. Yeah, um, thanks Peter, that's a really good point. One of the pi uh, other trials we'll be working on is looking at how we uh, ensure that patients get post-acute follow-up care um, and start linking them back to their primary care doctor immediately post-visit. So we will be piloting, um, some of you might be familiar with Schedule Me Now, which is a uh, web-based application. It also has an app on your phone where you can schedule an appointment directly with a primary care. So at regionals, which will include uh, Bedford and Richmond, David Cox there, who's the nurse manager of the ED, will be leading the pilot with his team where the nurses will be scheduling a primary care visit follow-up uh, before the patient leaves the emergency department. Wow. Um, so we'll be collecting some data. We're not sure on the algorithm of who needs it. We do want to make sure that we don't have a lot of high no-shows in the primary care offices and we're using resources appropriately. Um, so we'll be gleaming a lot of data for that and hope to take that system-wide in 2020. Well, that's fantastic. <clears throat> and no doubt that will drive value further. Well, I hope you've heard that there's a lot going on that we are creating this web to keep people healthy at home. If it sounds messy, it is because we're breaking silos and breaking disciplines, working across the continuum, but that's what it takes. And so please join the journey and make sure you see that improving value for those we serve is part of your responsibility. Thank you. Mm -hmm.